Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. We're looking at a down Friday here. We've got just about 13 minutes to go ahead of the close, but Wall Street on track for the third winning week in a row. For the week, S&P 500 index up about five-tenths of one percent this Friday, though. The S&P down one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials down 45 points, dropping two-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ retreating from records down seven, a drop of one-tenth of one percent. Ten-year up five thirty seconds. Yield there, 2.24 percent. Gold up 9.60 the ounce to 12.55, up eight-tenths of one percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude down 2.7 percent at 45.65 a barrel on WTI. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet, thank you so much. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets, brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit BlackRock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio. Yeah, that's kind of what's happening to GE shares. They are down 3.2% as we speak. Uh, we've seen them down the most in almost two years. The company's profit likely to barely meet the projected range. Let's talk about uh, the reasons why. Rick Clough is with us. He's our industrials reporter here at Bloomberg News, joining me in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Uh I've obviously read it, and so I know it has to do with uh, the energy market. But for those not in the know, tell us exactly what happened at GE this quarter or last quarter. Yeah, so um, you know, it really hasn't been a, a, a great uh, a couple of quarters actually for GE, and and um, energy markets are just uh, really tough right now for them. Um, oil and gas is uh, um, is not recovering as as fast as they had hoped and and expected. They thought that uh, um, things were were going to be trending in, in the right direction by now, and and really they're just kind of stagnating. And uh, and then there's power generation, which is is uh, uh, declining this year as well. And so, you know, these are pretty key markets for GE. So this wasn't really received well by investors. Rick, let's remind investors and our listeners, they've got what? Power and water. That's, I think, their biggest segment. Aviation, healthcare, energy, and... Yeah, and so those that's are the most big of it. Sectors, right? Yeah, yeah, and they've got they've got a few other smaller businesses like uh, like locomotives and. But when you say power, which is really a huge business for them, and then you say also energy, also a big business for them, they're not going. You're talking about you know roughly half of their businesses not really firing on all cin- cylinders. Exactly, and and that's why investors really haven't been uh, very high on the stock. It's been down this this year while the the broader market has been up. What does GE need to be as a company? Uh, you know, that's actually what the the incoming CEO is uh, is thinking through right now. He he said today that he's going to give a a broad update on uh, the portfolio, on his uh, plans for it, on 2018, all of that in November. And I think that that was actually something that investors weren't thrilled with today because uh, uh, the new CEO John Flannery is taking over in less than two weeks. Right. Uh, and I think uh, investors want to know um, how 2018 is shaped up and they want to know now. They don't want to wait till November. So is he going to be someone who just does some great financial engineering at the company, whether it's cutting costs, whether it's, you know what I mean? Or is he actually going to 
put GE on a trajectory that will be a smart company for years to come? You know, or is it already there? It's just the timing isn't quite right. Well, I think that's what a lot of uh, investors are really wondering right now. Is GE uh, a fundamentally good company that is uh, just going through some uh, some tough times right now, or d- does it need major changes? And uh, John Flannery is an I- interesting person to put in charge of this because he uh, has a background in GE Capital on the finance side, and and really th- uh, that's what he was doing most of his career. He actually ran M and A for the company a few years ago, and it's only more recently that he's been in more of an operating role. So he really could be somebody that would maybe shake things up and and uh, potentially sell off some big pieces. All right, sell off some big pieces. Could he potentially, since capital, GE Capital is his background, that was used to be a huge part of GE's business and then hit the financial crisis and everybody was like, oops, maybe that was too much exposure. Could he get GE potentially back into the finance area? You know, I, I don't know if he would uh, really want to do that right now. I don't know if investors would uh, would go for that in the near term. Uh, I think what um, what people think he may consider would be uh, potentially getting rid of, of health care, which is interesting because that's actually what he was, was running uh, until um, very recently. Recently, um, he may also uh, want to uh, exit the uh, oil and gas market. It's it's fascinating to see the changes that we've seen in General Electric specifically, you know, since the financial crisis, and yet it's still having a hard time uh, kind of getting getting those numbers moving. Yeah, yeah, and it, it really is, and and maybe uh, you know a big change is what's needed. All right, stock. Uh, I'm just taking a look at for the year. It's down 18 percent. Ouch. Yeah, and and uh, a a big chunk of that came just today. All right, Rick Clough, thank you so much. Appreciate uh, the analysis, Rick Clough. He's our industrials reporter here at Bloomberg News, joining us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio in New York City. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. It is brought to you by Eisner Amper International Tax Professionals. Multinational companies must prepare for tax reform, transfer pricing new territorial tax system, cash repatriation. EisnerAmper.com slash 2017 tax reform. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio. Mexico. Mexico. Well, Bloomberg Business Week, Mexico making its debut this week. On the cover, how Airbnb is trying to make peace with the tax collectors in Mexico. Let's get uh, the details on this story. Olivia Zaleski is our technology reporter at Bloomberg News, joining us from our Bloomberg 960 studio in San Francisco. This is a big week for Bloomberg Business Week, and uh, great to see the Latin American focus, Mexico specifically. Uh, the cover is about Airbnb. Olivia, talk to us uh, about your story. Well, Airbnb has been growing aggressively all over the world, and Mexico City um, is the latest and greatest city that they are taking over now. Um, 1.5 million people have visited Mexico City um, in the past year through Airbnb's platform, and so the company is coming in um, really uh, preemptively extending the olive branch, so to speak, uh, with regulators and offering to do a tax deal ahead of time because because they've had tax issues in other cities. Interesting. So is it a case of Airbnb is kind of figuring it out and making, you know, working out the details uh, in this marketplace? And so this should be good for folks in Mexico that want to rent out uh, their places? Yeah, I think Airbnb is sort of a the typical story of a, a company that grew extremely quickly before they had figured out how to handle regulators and people who might oppose them. And there are people that do oppose the company who feel that um, Airbnb 
uh, affects real estate prices negatively um, and that it squelches uh, fair housing in, in many large cities. So by Airbnb coming into Mexico City, sort of um, coming in and offering this tax deal to the regulators there, it can come in peacefully and without many problems, which is a good thing for Mexico City. Kind of headed off a problem before it became a really huge problem, right? It's interesting, too. I I love some of the data in your guy's story because you talk about um, Airbnb recording more than 1.5 million visits uh, to the country through its platform from June 26th through May 2017. That sounds like a lot of activity. That is a lot of activity. It's actually the fastest growing city within the region, which now, um, and the, within the country, excuse me, which now surpasses Japan as the fastest growing country on Airbnb's platform. What does this do for Mexico, too, in terms of revenue? I mean, here is an emerging market, lots of stuff going on. I just came back from Tulum. Um, they want to see Airbnb work because it's good for the country. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think Mexico could absolutely use the extra revenue. Um, people there really appreciate the opportunity to have a little bit of extra cash in their pocket, uh, especially if they have, if they're perhaps an empty nester and they have space to have a tourist come and stay with them. I love it. And 73,000 Mexico listings, and you do point out that the most popular state is Quintana Roo, which is home to Cancun, Playa del Carmen, and Tulum. Yeah, I saw a lot of activity there. Which makes there. perfect sense, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to go back. Let me check those Airbnb listings. Hey, good to check in with you. Olivia. Olivia Zaleski, technology reporter at Bloomberg News in our Bloomberg 960 studio. Bloomberg Business Week making its debut in Mexico, specifically Bloomberg Business Week Mexico. And you can catch Bloomberg Business Week on Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg TV. It all starts this evening. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio.